I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. It's a different day, but same concept. It's Tuesday, 8pm. Welcome to the Online Darts Live Lounge with me, Phil Bars, Jack Garwood and Lee Boyce. Apologies for no show yesterday, but I'm sure you all understand the reasons why. However, we return, gentlemen, 24 hours later, same concept. Are we ready? I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I made the mistake of staying up to watch the first half of the first NFL game last night, which started at half past 12, and it turned into 4 a.m. Ouch. And then I had to be up for work this morning. So if I'm a little bit grouchy, it's not because I've got to spend the night with Liam Phil. I'm just a little bit tired. That's On the plus isn't, that side, a standard, isn't that a standard live lounge, miserable... Moaning, road tree, that's dope. It's what we use. I never moan. I never moan. I reason with idiots. Stupid. 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 Don't do something stupid then. If you're going to be stupid, I'm going to tell you four minutes past what we're doing. (laughs) If he's grouchy, grouchy, we'll put 10p in the meter, press go, and enjoy the fireworks. Yeah, there might be there might be a few tonight. Maybe it's not as if it's been a quiet. They're going to be stupid. I'm going to tell you, stupid. Yeah, look, it, it's not <laughs> been a dull week in darts. That's for sure. Um, chat room, welcome along, everyone. Bob was first in. How are we doing? Um, Owen, Adrian, Kieran, Alex, welcome along. Uh, Blue Hope Bridge, how are we doing? Rose is in. Uh, Dennis, uh, Laura, and Maisie are in. Of course, welcome along. Happy birthday, Laura, as well. Um, Max, Matthew, Robbo, good evening, one and all. We've just shared some links on social media. So if you see them, make sure you give them a share or a retweet to let people know we are live. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe and give us a thumbs up as well. It's much appreciated. We're only, we're only about 50 away from 28K. It's, it's bold, but I wonder. I wonder, can we get 50 new subs in tonight to hit 28K tonight? 
little challenge for everyone if you haven't subscribed yet. Um, but um, God will be pleased that that is all the non-ranked action for the year now concluded. No. Well, what have we missed? Well, the Grand Slam shouldn't be ranked. It's a piece of crap. Yeah, but it, but yeah, but it is. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you've gone from moaning about non-rant events to moaning about rant events that shouldn't be rant and should be non-rant. Correct. Everyone, it's it's it's, it's going to be a good few hours here. We can have we can have gob on on a rope here. <laughs> Um, but the, the non-ranked action is over. It's all ranking action between now and the beginning of January. I know there was a lot of talk around it. They're all talking about that shiny hill gob again at the weekend. Moswell Hill has never been shiny. You can call the palace at the top of it shiny, but the hill is definitely <laughs> not shiny. <laughs> uh, good evening, Mark. How are we all doing? First of all, chat room, did you enjoy... The World Series Finals at the weekend. We're obviously going to go through it all in a minute um, as well. But before before we go into the the nuts, bolts, the the ins and outs, boys, how would you assess the World Series Finals? Go on, Liam. Before I say something else, stupid no. in the first ten minutes. No, does often turn whatever you say into a positive. Because it's not going to be positive out of your mouth, let's be honest. So we'll start with you. Fine. I, I thought it was okay. Look, I'm, I'm a little bit different. <laughs> okay. Well, it is okay, isn't it? It is just a little bit okay. It, it's the televised darts. ITV were back at an actual reasonable time slot, albeit they used ITV3, which, I mean, sort of goes against why they haven't used it in any other event when they've had a clash before. If you can use it this weekend, you can push power off for a little bit because you've got Minder on ITV4 to show at 6 o'clock, then you could definitely do that for every other event throughout the year, even if barely anybody's watching it, and just run it as a delayed coverage later on as well. Absolutely no issue with that. That's that's point number one. That's in the UK, everyone else is fine. Um, much notice compared to the last World Series event that Dan Dawson was back in commentary. I think he's absolutely awesome. Um, that New Zealand event missed him an awful lot, and I think he was classed to get an ITV shot this weekend. Um, Standard-wise, I thought the darts delivered pretty well. There was a few names and a few games that didn't, but let's be honest, they were the ones that we looked at the qualifier and went, how on earth have you done that? And I'm not really looking forward to that one. And for once, it pretty much played out that way. Um, And actually, even if you, you don't take an awful long look at the tournament, there's optimism for the rest of the year. Gezi superb. Johnny Clayton managing to win games still, even though we've been saying about just how tired he looks for the rest of the year. Van Gerwen beating in a quality performance, but he's won two of the last three TV titles. Peter Wright looks assured back up on stage again. Like, there is positivity for the rest. Even James Wade was winning games, by the way, who has been terrible since he spent that night in hospital in Germany. He has had a crap six months on tour. But even he returned to winning ways on TV darts and look assured and took Kelvin Price pretty deep, actually, for a performance that perhaps wasn't at the level that you need or, or expect from Wadey to, to go that. He was doing Wadey things again. Um, 
even at the other end of the spectrum, look, it's not mid nineties gonna be a top sixteen professional player in a PDC average. But Fallon Sherrick's finishing so just why she's been given the opportunities that she's got. Because up on that stage, in front of T V cameras, if she's on it, her finishing is genuinely one of the best in the world. We've seen it all over. When she took Dimmy apart from behind previously, absolutely unbelievable. And we saw it again in glimpses against Peter Wright. Ridiculous. So no, go on, make God, that, that positively. <laughs> that was that was very positive and probably probably the two points the two points that you haven't picked up on about the weekend are actually for me probably the two negative ones which for me the fans still what? question marks about and I know you deliberately left that out for me and the second one just as you spoke about certain players then you win one player who hasn't to then in Gary Anderson I'm seriously concerned about Dando the more I'm seeing him I'm just getting more and more concerned about him. I know you've spoke about certain players down to win there, Clayton, Ron, Wade. Um, and I know we'll, we'll touch on to the Danes in a minute, but um, serious, serious concerns about Gary Anderson right now. To be fair, we'll, 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 we'll touch on Gary now before we go into the games. The more concerning and worrying thing is I messaged you boys, what, an hour before the programme started and said, Looks like Gary's using new darts um, because in, in the press room, we're lucky enough that we have two TVs. We've got a stat screen and then we've got the one with the action on. But a lot of the time we see the um, ITV or Sky rehearsals on this as well when they're doing sound checks and everything like that. Um, and then when the players are up on stage, because they get to go and practice, then we saw a few clips that and instantly I noticed that Gary was using, or it looked like new light. I didn't get a good view. I sent you boys a picture, didn't I? I said, these look new. Turned out they were. The fact they were from his range darts, we, we, we found them. 20, $24.99 from Argos. And it was literally the setup that come out of the box. The flight and stem was the ones that come with the darts. It was like, it wasn't even his. Does that make sense? It just seemed a really... Weird play. Well, it screams very much like New York did that Gary lost his darts again and went to a shop and had in ones he could get out of a packet. Yeah. I don't think he's ever thrown them before. And something tells me that he's forgotten his darts, misplaced his darts, and would get in trouble with his manufacturer if he didn't throw his own darts again. Quite possibly. Sounds familiar. Sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, someone, someone alluded to it in the chat. It's about the, the darts, obviously, with a question and stuff like that, but it's his attitude to the sport right now is, for me, is where the question mark's there. What he's done, obviously, throughout his career is, is outstanding, and there's always that sort of conversation of where he fits within the top 10 conversation, and because he's in probably everyone's top 10, but... It's just his commitment to the sport right now is isn't the same levels as where it was before. And the, those are the question marks for me around Gary Anderson. The fact he's using those type of darts, let's be honest, he wasn't practicing with them all week, was he? If he was practicing at all. He did have a practice with Ryan Searle on the Wednesday. I know that. I'm going to have a, a wild death and say it wasn't with them darts. I, 
I don't know. I, that I don't know. But I know he did have a practice with Ryan Searle on the Wednesday. Um, but yeah, look, it, it was an interesting one. The, the dart just didn't look right at all for me. It was it was almost like a Fallon dart, the way it was a bit fatter in the middle and then tapered towards the end. And yeah, it just, just wasn't there. And it's hard to think. And barring a miracle of some sort, Gary Anderson will not be at the Grand Slam of darts this year. Which, if you'd have said that a few years ago, would have seemed unthinkable that he hasn't That's qualified. He still needs and wants to win as well, isn't it? Yeah. And he's not there. The one that evades. Yeah. He, he pretty much has to get to the final of the World Grand Prix. A tournament where you have to hit two doubles in a game. He's going to have to get to the final. Or the qualifier. If he, if he goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that more later. Uh, Jamie in the chat room says, see you, Bill, on Sunday in the supermarket. Yeah. A point here, a supermarket that doesn't take Visa or MasterCard. Absolutely ridiculous. Where? In Amsterdam? Yeah. I was with Smithy. There's one right at the train station, which is right next door. Yeah, but we um we had to go shopping for players, so we went to the supermarket. Oh. And they didn't take in ridiculous. Um, but we'll come on to the actual <laughs> event itself: the World Series of Darts Finals. The World Series for 2022 is now concluded, and this was how Round One looked. Um. Uh, evening, Charlie. Hope you are good. Um, look, this this first one was Danny Baggish. We'll be thinking, how did this one get away? Um, because he was in a good position and and kind of blew it. Yes, and there was a lot of talk about this one because. Didn't he do that? He started acting up a little bit to the crowd and probably relaxing that little bit too much and enjoying himself. And I guess if you're a, a World Series invite at your home event, say a Tim Poozy at an Australian event and you're leading in the first round and whatever, go and have a bit of fun because chances are you're not going to be on TV very often at that point. Unless you make the move over, go and change the tour card and whatever. You've got a chance to go and make a name for yourself. And do you know what? You'll probably get more recognition and everything from going and having a little bit of fun up on that stage in front of PDC players and whatever than you would going up there seriously and, and perhaps going close in the end. Danny's a pro. And whilst he says he's always going to enjoy it, playing the game, etc., you're doing it for your dinner. And just just secure that result. Just, just work your way in there because eventually these first round losses will add up to the point where you just don't know what you're doing on TV. It won't matter what you try. It won't matter how you prepare. You've tried literally everything. And that's when your head starts to go. It's a little bit like, I'm going to compare it a little bit to, to Glenn Durrance fall off, where he's tried so many different things and he's almost overanalyzed it. And if you get to the point where every TV appearance is the same, no matter what you do before it, you start wading into trouble almost. Yeah, agreed. Um, 
Jamie Hughes against Dave Chisnell. Look, this one, boys, he went pretty much as we all said last week. Chizzy was, was just too strong for Yozza in the end. Yeah, he, he was. There was there was just so too many missed doubles for Yozza, especially early on in this game, that that scoreline, I'm not saying it would have... The, the result would have changed, but it certainly could have been a closer day. Uh, Yossa just missed too many for me, but Chizzy uh, looked good at this stage. Um, and the result probably went as most people would have predicted with a halfway win for Chizzy. Yeah. Um, the next one, again, as expected, Damon Hetter, too good for Gordon Mathers. Look, Gigi put up a good display, but went as expected. The next one is the interesting one for me. Um, Hopai Puhau will be kicking himself. Um, yes, he has played very well. But as a as a professional darts player, God, like you just said, and a sportsman, this this is the one that got away. And he had an unbelievable opportunity to beat one of the world's best in Dark Van Dyne and Boda, and it went missing. Yeah, it did just that little bit, didn't it? And look, you couldn't... There's pressure enough on someone like Hal Parker and shoulders because he's played some very, very good darts on TV and been very, very close a number of times in the last 18 months. We saw it at the WDF. We've seen it at other World Series events, whatever. And he seems to be getting this reputation of, of being the bridesmaid and never the bride. And this sort of happened once again. And look, I get there's that little bit more pressure on him playing against a Dirk-inspired crowd. I get that there's a little bit more pressure that he's building up, but again, much like Baggish earlier, it's got to break that cycle soon. It's got to start getting over the line because that's when you start to relax into tournaments. When you've done it once, you can do it again and again. Yeah, uh, yeah, completely. He's, he's played some played some really good stuff, but he needs needs that that win on on a big TV game. Um, interesting. This next one, we have so many talking points in one game. It is almost unreal. Um, first of all, the soldier got the better of the African warrior. Um, it was close. It was tight. But let's be fair. When when it mattered, when it really mattered, Boise, Devon's last leg was horrific. Um, two, we had the much-talked-about shoes, which was interesting and very much split social media. Um, and then straight off the back of losing, I wasn't a fan of Devon's tweet, if I'm being honest. Thanks for the World Series, blah, blah, blah. I'm now put, I'm now off to the African qualifier or however it was worded. As if tour card holders playing on substitute ways to get in the world wasn't topical enough at the moment. So, so many points off of that one game. Yeah, I, I guess the first one was, you said it was a close game. Let's be honest, it should have been even closer because we should have had a last night with Devon missing the bid number to offer double sixteens, then they've double eight, missed, then yeah. missed another three at it, then the fours. Um and Lemon Dage just punished, wasn't right himself on the outer ring, but just slightly better than Devon. And generally mid part of the day was uh was kind of even. It was literally just on those doubles and um it's just worrying when you're seeing someone down to a board with three darts in hand and you're watching it thinking, I'm not sure he's gonna it. And when it's a professional, you should be thinking quite the opposite and that that's going to happen. But there was times there with Devon, the, the second one on the trainers, I think that's going to always be split. I know we're all on the one side. <laughs> but 
he's looking at ways to improve his game, and at, at the moment, where his game is, there's huge improvements needed. And if he thinks that to give him an extra percent or two, then fair play, Dale, for it. But for me, obviously, I'm not a huge fan. And then, thirdly, I'm with you a bit on the tweet. Um, none of us agree with the fact that uh, Tortard, Holdeth, and Darwin qualify for the world through a different route just on the basis of how much money they can then do want to make. We've seen Devon do have a run to, I want to say, the third round, maybe the fourth round of the Worlds. How important that would be for him this year. But the impact that has on everyone else in the Tortard holder who's not been able to qualify through a similar route than he has. And he hasn't qualified yet, but if he does, he's, I'm assuming he's read up favourite to do. It just seemed a bit... bit Hasn't really thought the tweet through before we sent it. Um, but I'm I'm fairly confident he'll be going there and qualifying. Just only comparing that on the base of what we've seen from his World Club partners over previous years, that he's still that step or two ahead of those. But yeah, I don't agree with that. But that's back to the Dane. There's still worrying signs there for Devon. And for me, the biggest worrying signs are on the later in the 180s. There was a couple in there and the storing wasn't too bad. Um, yes, there was a fair few cities in there, but there was an in and around the bed. Um, but the Dublin needs a lot of work on. The worry is he has to stop the slide. Because we all know over the next year and a bit, his tour card is in danger right now. If he doesn't stop this this slide. Um, hey. How he's, how he's playing, yeah, he's going as, he's going to be red up favourite for the South African qualifier. I'm sure he's just on the basis of who else will be in that field. But the added pressure in his current form will be higher than it's ever been. Yes, we still expect him to come through. If he doesn't come through that, then alarm bells are even louder than what they are right now. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Lendl, all good, mate. Um, I had some euros on me, but I just tried to I just use my card for everything normally. Um, and then, arguably, the tie of the first round, the world champion, Peter Wright, in as an unseeded player taking on um, Fallon Sherrick. Obviously, he couldn't use her nickname this weekend for, again, obvious reasons. Um, this was a good game, and this was a lot closer, God, than a lot of people anticipated, thought. There was a lot of chat on the social beforehand that this was going to be 6-0, 6-1. But, again, Fallon, it's a noticeable trait now that when she plays someone better, she raises her game. But, again, that, that's also – it's a good trait, but it's also something that she needs to address and sort it out when she's not playing people in the top eight. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Stats-wise, this, this, is, this is not close match at all. Peter Wright's averaged 103 for a large part of the match. I think he might have been finished there. Fallon was 88 by the end of it, I think. Yeah, 88, yeah. That big standout is the fact that she was four from four on the doubles. That kept her in touch. She was solid on her own throw, apart from the one leg where she was broken, obviously. And, and Peter was pretty similar on his own as well. And it was just the nature of how solid he was on his own throw that made this an almost impossible task because he was not given up chances at all on that throw of his, not convinced by the change of darts a little bit. They were the, the old Whitlock-style ones, however you want to describe them or whatever. Um, hopefully he gets this tinkering phase out of the way um, and, and 
if he's messing around now and he's back to a straight barrel dart, i.e. one of the two sets he's won the last two of the last three world championships with, I'll be well happy come Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then this one was an unbelievable tie. It, it all spun around in just a couple of minutes. Um, first of all, Matt Campbell, congratulations to him. First time we've seen the real Matt Campbell on TV for a long time. We've seen him do it on the floor, um, but he silenced the home fans and the home favourite, Vincent Van der Voort, at three all. Vincent missed two darts at tops to break. Matt held and then broke the next throw, which was the killer, Boise. But look, Vincent was was Mr. Mr. Consistent still. 96 and a half average, good from him, but it was also great to see Matt Campbell producing the darts. We know he can. Yeah, probably on TV, it's the best I think we've seen, Matt Campbell. This was probably my pick for the first round games. I thought it was a very, very good game. And not from, I'm sure there's going to be someone that will jump at me to say, I'm sure he's average better than 95 on TV. But actually, the game as a whole, the the break, um, the holding at that time and breaking Vincent, playing against the crowd, uh, who were at that time were fully just following the, the Dutch players, um, obviously with a few more drinks in them. But I thought Matt Tamble was sensational to to that old that line. Then final three or four leads um, was was the best we've seen of him, and probably there's still more there. But this is probably what we've expected of Matt for an awful long time, um, and hopefully we'll start seeing more and more of this because we know he's a top player. We know we can certainly push on and push up the rankings, but it's more performances like this, and that's still on the double so that old the line. Then the final game, again, not really much to talk about. I was expecting a little bit more from Simon Whitlock. If I was being honest, I only averaged 90 and, and Noppy was fairly comfortable um, is, is is the thing. Um, but that was round number one. Um, moving on, round number two. And also to do with the scheduling... Tell me the love affair with Gary Anderson's over without telling me that he's now done an afternoon session at the match play and first on the, the, the round two sessions again a few years ago. Unthinkable that Gary Anderson wouldn't be in one of those prime spots. Um, but again, we spoke about it earlier. Dirk was comfortable in this game, Gob. Yeah, pretty solid, isn't it? I think when we were predicting this last week, we said that that was a, a likely and potential matchup. And at that point, the head-to-head record in recent years on TV is not in Gary's favour at all anyway. So look, this is always a prediction that we potentially saw come in. Three from 15 on the outer ring. He's, he's not a million miles away scoring-wise to what Dirk produced, but it wasn't Dirk's brilliant swashbuckling best, should we say. Um there's always going to be glimpses. There's always going to be moments from Gary. A man of that quality is always just going to produce something. I mean, Bob Anderson's got 20, 30 years on him and he's still chucking in 180s at Circus Tavern. He's still going to get glimpses. You don't suddenly just forget how to play an average 60 for the rest of your life. Um, but those glimpses are becoming less and less right now. Uh, yeah. Um, and then James Wade getting the better of Leonard Gates. Again, this would be what you call a, a wading performance, um, Boise. The average wasn't there, but never looked at any danger either. 
the man just wins with a lower average more than it seems more than anyone else. I know it was proven the, it was on about the other week that it's not quite the case, but he's certainly in that mix. Um, it was just the, the start of the day, and then a day took too much time to get into it. Wade was 5 1 up, and by then it's game over because you just know Wade only needs that opportunity to seal the win and, and he'll take it. It's not he's not a player with that nervy over that finishing line. So the start was was the key in this one. And but generally I think Leonard Dates from a World Series event, if he would have offered the past few months he would have snapped it off, winning in America, getting to the second round as well in there and then uh, obviously beating Devon in the first round. Generally it's been a, a very successful few months for Leonard Dates. Now, where to start on this one? Um, we will address the rabbit or the elephant in the room at the end of the World Series because we have got a clip of Joe Cullen. There's a big difference between a rabbit and an elephant, Phil. Um, we'll address it at the end. We have we have got a clip from Joe Cullen, so we 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 will address the crowd situation. First of all, we'll we'll do the, the World Series as a whole before we take out the little individual parts of it because there are, they've got a few clips teed up um for it which will be interesting um i'm still not quite sure how dave chisnell did not win this game 6-2 talk about use all your lives at once god uh chizzy was in complete control the crowd got involved everything else and, and the rock star as he said it's not my problem i'm there to win games and he did yeah look it's the same in pretty much any other sport. Whenever somebody gets fortunate or, or lucky, sometimes you just have to accept that that is part of sport. Do I, do I want to accept that the crowd getting involved with that is part of this game? Not particularly. Um, but once it did happen, Joe Collins not the one making those noises. And if, if Dave can't handle that, then that's between Dave, the officials, and, and, and Dave himself, basically. Um, so, yeah. You want to talk about the crowd at the end? I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it last time I was there. I spent some time sat in the crowd. It was hostile, shall we say? Um, and the more and more we see things like this, the, the issue is that as long as the PDC aren't a governing body and, and, and they're an organisation that exists to, to sell tickets and, and promote and whatever, then they're not going to stop anything because we're sat here talking about the crowd behaviour and what it did to this game rather than just going. Oh, it's a good game of darts, and Chizzy won six two. Yeah. Um, moving on, Ryan Joyce massively improved his performance from round one, Boise, and caused a caused an upset, beating Dimitri Vandenberg six two. And look, Dimitri, there was obviously a few issues during the week that we saw on on social and whatever that he had another health scare and everything like that. Um, so maybe not a hundred percent, but Ryan Joyce did what he needed to do. Yeah, that that maybe is the case in this one. I think for them, for Ryan Joyce, looking at it at the start of the week, I think many of us were unsure if he'd get through the Danny Badish game. Um, he got through that one, and then he got through Dimitri with a very, very convincing and very good win. For Ryan Joyce, that yes, Dimitri's health is something that people are concerned about, as we've seen, obviously. The break before we semi-final last week and the statement that come out this week. Um, sorry, last week. But Ryan Joyce done what he needed to do and done it in a very, very convincing style. Um, 
hopefully this little sort of break from now before the Grand Prix. Um, I know we've got the Euro Tour this weekend, but we'll give Dimmy time just to get ready and just hopefully make sure that everything's okay, that when he's back on the board, that he's fit and healthy and back on the board and he's not having any sort of issues that we've seen documented currently. Yeah. Um, then MB, oh, sorry, Matt Campbell, again, will be kicking himself. There was an opportunity in this one. However, God, what a last leg from the world number one. What a set of stones. And it could have been a completely different weekend, but under pressure, he lives up to his nickname and he was the Iceman in that 11th leg. Yeah, he's like the Manops, isn't he? He just sits there going, I'm inevitable in these last leg deciders. It doesn't matter what his opponent does, he just seems to find. It's always that second visit as well. Like, there are a lot of these last leg deciders, I guess he goes off 60 or 58 or, or whatever. But that second is always a big response when his opponent has done, has crumbled under the pressure, knowing that Gezi's just hit a crap one. And it, it happens yeah. every single time. It's getting to MVG levels on the Euro Tour, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, yeah I agree. I mean, look, Gezi, there's, there's, there's two good interviews, or well, two good clips from Gezi, which, which we'll discuss at the end as well. A couple of interesting talking points. Um, MVG survived a, a banana skin against Damon Hetta. It was one of those ones that he was in control, but just kept letting Hetta back in, Boise. But in the end, got the job done 6-4. Yeah, it, it, it was exactly that. Um, MVG just got over the line, but you always felt he was down to him with, I guess, with Damon Hetta. And then if you're looking back as the World Series as a whole, Performance-wise, hasn't been too bad. But results-wise, if Damon Hetter would be four events, you'd told him only pick up one win or we would have even discussed only one win then. There's certainly a worry there. Just for him to get back to winning ways, his performance is there. But then he's getting close to MVG and four apiece. But we're all watching it sort of still expecting MVG to that over the line. MVG's in some very good form, obviously, picking up the TV titles he has done. But... That is equally the fact that Damonetta just isn't as good as he was pre and during World Cup. Uh, and that's probably shown with the 85 average in this one in a, a very disappointing World Series event. But I'm sure he will come back. I'm sure he'll be back competing. It's just getting those few wins. And it might be that it's someone who just needs a a pro tour or a runner pro tours just to let a few games under his belt and hopefully that two or three wins on the spin and that will just bring that confidence back to, as I said numbers wise stats wise they're not too bad at all he has had a bad run in the Super Series losing two of those 6-5 and then going out to MVG here 6-4 but we are talking about when you're playing in these coming up against possibly the top eight in the world so you need to be at the top of your day performance of the weekend coming up next it was a wow moment for Michael Smith. 6-4 win over the world champion, Peter Wright. 107.40 average goal. Bully boy was just sensational. Yeah, and it's that sort of level that we don't see... Not that we don't see an awful lot. We just don't see enough from him because he's definitely got it in the locker and he's so free-flowing and he makes the game look so easy that you just want to see that, that little bit more from him and just make it look that easy. And look... 
I'm still going to be positive on Peter Wright here, by the way. He's still averaged 100 and 203 again. He's four from 14 on the double, so he's missed chances with a new set of darts once again. But that scoring from him at the minute is is just as brutal. And I, like I said at the start of the show, I'm really excited for the back end of the year, how the big three are going to play out, how everybody else is, is looking to peak at the same time. And this is another example of it as well. And then the final one, Johnny Clayton worked out where the camera was in this game. A 6-2 win over Dane Offit, 104.39 average. Johnny Clayton, look at the board, hit, point to the left, Boise. It was textbook. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just this game. There was quite a few. And I guess we spoke about it. And I know I predicted him to, to the all the way to the final. But there were signs that at least Clayton's game was coming back this weekend. And... I am with Dob. The top three seem to be in a great space at the moment to don't push on and lift more. But if there's one person who we've seen over the past couple of years who's going to upset that apple cart, it's going to be Johnny Clayton. And this weekend will only give him confidence. And with this win, that was certainly his double hitting was spot on. He knew exactly where that camera was once more. Uh, and it, it seemed like some of those, he was that confident he was going to hit the point was there before he hit the double. But it was a very, very good win against. Um, against the Dutchman once more. Then, moving on, quarterfinals. And first up, again, I'm surprised they didn't go. First of all, I'm, I thought the whole day would have been in draw bracket order, but but wasn't. Um, it's very bizarre for it to not fit. I don't understand why. Once you get to this format, then everybody's got in the similar enough spacing. To know when they're yeah. playing, prep time, gaps in between matches, and, and whatever else. So. Yeah, completely. Um, but first up, um, it was the world number one defeating Joe Cullen. And again, it was Cullen's finishing that kept this one close, God, because you look at the, the gap in the averages was around 10 points, I think it was off the top of my head, um, which kept it close. But it was a game that Gezi dominated for large parts. Well, it was 3 0 down. So Gezi was averaging 120, and to get back into that first break at 3-2 was was staggering enough. I, I don't think Joe was at his best at all this weekend. And to be honest, I don't think Joe was at his best for the last two weekends either. He picked up the Euro Tour, but the big takeaway from the end of that point was I've won and I'm not at my best on the Euro Tour. And I, we, we spoke about how some players have got a little bit of a hangover or, or a knackered from all the travelling, all the all the media work that comes with playing on the World Series. And it's been a new experience for Joe as well. So I think perhaps he's one of those that suffered from it, that Euro Tour perhaps deceived a little bit. Not that like, to, to win a Euro Tour, you still got to play well and you still got to take your chance, you still got to be switched on. But that, that top level perhaps needs a couple more weeks just to refresh and, and go again. Then the one of the most bizarre games I can remember seeing on an afternoon session um, Dirk Van Dijvenboda wins a last leg decider against Ryan Joyce Boise. And at one point, Dirk looked irresistible, dropped off a cliff, let Joyce in, and then found a 180 in the last leg from absolutely nowhere to win it. Yeah, that, there's an argument, especially at the end, that both of these should have done on to win it, and it was more down to their opponent giving them that many opportunities was it leg 17 where we had one leg but they both missed missed ridiculous amount of darts as you said before that Dirk was hitting some very good stuff and then 
Ryan Joyce, did anyone predict him being in the quarter-final? And then he got there and then he had the opportunity in such a slow start in that last leg. And then Dirt found the 118, it just took Dirt away. Um, generally, it's an improvement on where probably Ryan Joyce's game was to then win two on stage at two quarter-finals of a TV event. However, surely he's walking away from this weekend disappointed that he's not at least in the semi-finals because there was opportunities there. A hundred percent. And then the next one, your boy, Gob. For me, this is this was his best performance since coming out of hospital in Germany to beat Michael Smith um, 10-5. Yes, the average ended up around 92, but for two-thirds of this game, this was the best James Wade had looked since that um, ill-fated Euro Tour. Yeah, look, it's mid to low 90s with a 52% checkout success. It's two-ton pluses. No 180s in there. He has lost that bit of scoring power a little bit. But he's clinical again. That double 10 is still very much his friend when he needs it. Um, he's getting there. He's definitely on the way back up. Yeah. Um, and then these two, again, never disappoint. And again, a, a, a difficult game to, to call, Boise, because... Johnny Clayton should have argued in the 4-1 up at the first break. was only 3-2. And then flip it. MVG arguably should have gone 7-4 up. Missed. And then Johnny ran away with it. It was a really, really weird game to watch. They both had patches. But ultimately, it was Johnny's composure that got him over the line. Yeah, it was It was them patches that were key. I think it was at Sid's all as well. We saw MVG doll. 180 and then add two stores of 16 or 20 something in there or 30 something in there and then Clayton got the crucial break then to to then push on but there were sort of spells of that throughout the day and there was there was moments of brilliance but then there was huge inconsistencies which we don't normally see with Clayton versus uh, Clayton and MVG and we definitely don't see when these two play each other because normally the standard when these two meet is a lot higher than probably what it produced throughout the day but that was just the inconsistencies of those throws in there and the story but Johnny Clayton just helped, helped his nerve and and got over the line in what was a very top to turvy day yeah absolutely and semi-final time Dirk Van Dijvenbode against Johnny Clayton what a voucher of a game this was and it was the over genius who gets the better of the ferret gob and deservedly so in this one yeah look I thought it was a, a decent encounter Dirk took his chances when he needed it. He put his foot down that little bit more. There was chances when the game was, was pretty even, but in those big moments towards the end, Dirk took them. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, again, the Iceman just getting the better of James Wade. 11-9, um, one break of throw in it, but just a damn good game, Boise. Yeah, very good game. Then... It shouldn't have probably been as close. Price run away from the second interval and sort of then had, had control of of the dame and allowed, allowed Wade back in. But generally, it was a very, very good semi-final. And obviously, yes, he was coming up against Dirt or Johnny. However, you felt that this was now going to be Price's time just to go and push on. Probably more convincing than what he did in that final. Yeah, so, spoiler alert, 
We all know the outcome. However, before we get to it, what a final it was. Um, both of them gave it everything, but we spoke about it earlier. Gezi in a last leg. Dirk started off with a no travel visit. The writing is on the wall. And the Iceman, Gerwin Price, wins the World Series of Darts final for the second time. God, and just to say, that last leg, that you know what's going to happen was was there again. Inevitable, isn't it? It's just, it's just what he does. It's, it's ridiculous. It just has that ability. Look, it wasn't great for Dirk. He, he almost tried too hard. I know it's a bit of a cliche and whatever, but it just wouldn't go for him no matter what he did in that, in that last leg. A little bit of disaster for him. But again, that's more experience for him. He's had a whirlwind two years, hasn't he, Dirk? Let's be fair. And, and a massive rise from that Grand Prix run. So will be gutted to have not won in front of his home crowd after going so close yet again. Um, but look, Gezi was superb and thoroughly deserved that title. Right. The other talking points from the World Series of Darts, we'll do them in orders that they happened. So, first up. First time we have got to speak to Peter Wright since the World Match Play, there were some, some, some questions... We'll listen to it first, and then we'll we'll take away. Uh, uh, yeah, a, lot, a couple of things, you know, just uh, here and there, stuff in the back room, uh, on the stage. I didn't, I didn't think the throw was correct, and I should, I should have said something in the beginning, but I didn't. I thought I'll just change the darts. I'll find it. You know, you know, you go on different throws all over around the world. You find a throw, and I, I just couldn't find it throughout the whole match. So I was disappointed in myself. Played absolute rubbish through the whole match, and still had darts to, you know, to push ahead to, to go and beat him. Uh, so it, it wasn't like, you know, uh, nothing head towards Dimitri. It was just like I was disappointed with myself and everything. Yeah, no, we had discussion about it last week, and uh, you know he understands, and uh, you know he said. Yeah, stuff as well and you know we're, we're fine last one for me the um carl anderson tribute shirt lovely touch lovely design was that something that you wanted to do through missing out on going to australia yeah 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 no we, we've got the the, the the australian shirts and new new zealand shirts that uh, what we was going to wear in the world series out there and this is obviously down to joe with the designs and i think uh this carl anderson and his kids you know hands and i think and then we're going to auction this and hopefully raise some money for his family for Christmas, if it's to pay their bills or just to help them with a bit of food or buy some Christmas presents. Uh, but we're going to do that every single year, make sure we're going to auction a shirt ready for their family uh, and hopefully we can raise some nice money for them, just make sure that helps them over Christmas time. Two points in there. We'll do we'll do the nice one first. What an amazing touch from Peter and Joe with with the shirts and and auction it off for, for Carl's family. Um, that darts is one of those sports that when the going gets tough, it does pull together and no more so here, Gob. Yeah, definitely. Look, just wish he was raffling it and not auctioning it because I would never get my hands on it. But if it was a couple of tickets, I might have had a crack. But. Yeah, but fantastic. Um, the other one, 
was an interesting one. The Dimitri fallout. We all know there was some kind of fallout that they kissed and made up on the Euro Tour, as he said. That, but it was a little bit jumbled, and I don't think he, don't think he completely told us the truth. If I'm being honest, Boise. Um. I don't think he didn't tell us the truth. I just don't think he wanted to tell us everything. It's probably the way of putting yeah. it. I think probably everything yeah. he said was probably right, but he didn't want to tell us or allude to everything that probably happened in those discussions. I do think that a conversation was had between them and there probably was a disagreement still in there, but um, he wants to keep part of that. And that's probably that was decided between him and Dimi that respectfully they wanted to keep certain things behind closed doors as such but you know it seems like they're in a better place and I know I mentioned it last week that you do want to see that middle you do want to see that rivalry but actually the connection that them two had sort of through COVID and obviously the difficult situation it was for everyone in the world it was a good news story as you probably alluded to there when you said that when it's tough for the dark world to do all pulls ever and that was one of the biggest examples of when that's happened so you didn't want it to that relationship to, to split completely, even if there is now a bit of needle between the two, which we're going to keep out for. And as I know you best, Mr. Bars, you'll still keep probing away to find out what was actually said. Something you're on about. <laughs> but my gut is it all revolves around Dimitri playing games. Pete obviously hasn't said that. He's been quite respectful there, but we, we, all, we all saw it and I think it revolves around that. It's hard to disagree with that. Right. This is, this is the interesting one. Get this, this very much split social media at the weekend as well, um, Joe's comments. Um, we'll play it and then we'll discuss. Oh, it's not my problem. It's not, it's not Dave's problem. It's, it, it was just a really strange one. I've just said in a previous interview, it's, if he's playing a Dutch guy, it's not, it's not excusable. It's not anything like that, but... You, you, as a player, you come to expect it. If you if you play Michael or Dirk or Danny or someone like that, you come to expect it. You know when it when it comes to the crunch. But it was just it was just weird. You know, two English guys and they not booed the whole game, and then all of a sudden when he has match darts, the boo. So, like I say, it's not, it's not my problem. My my job is to win games, and somehow someone was looking down at me there, and I played like an absolute idiot, but I managed to win the game. Um, I don't know. I think, I, think, I, think, I think if you try to do something about it, it'll take something away from the game. Um, it's, it's all about where, wherever it is, like you say there. If, if it's in Germany, you're playing against a German, you come to expect it. And some, I, I'm one of the players, I like it, I, I enjoy it. It's, it was a bit different tonight because obviously I didn't expect it. But if you're in Germany, you're playing you know, Martin Schiller, Max Hopp, Gary Clemens, you come to expect it. And there's nothing better than, than winning the game and sticking it up them. You know, it's... I, 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 I for one, I, I don't mind it. But then things like tonight, it's just, I, I'm confused to be honest. I've come off the game feeling confused. I don't, I don't know how I won it. I don't know why they booed, but I'm into Sunday, so who cares? Right. I, the, the bit as well that where he said, about obviously the Euro Tour man when he's look, he said he's in it to win as much money as he can to set his family up for a long time. The booing and that's not his problem. And he's kind of right. It's not his fault. It's not his problem. The the crowd of booed up. 
and give Chizzy some some shit? No, look, he hasn't caused that, and it's also not caused him any harm. In fact, it's probably earned him a few thousand pounds more than it would have if Dave Chisnell had hit a double before the crowd got involved. And it, if that is the causation of Dave not hitting a dart at a double, I, I, I just give up the crowds right now. I just I want people to be better. Is that is that too much to ask? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of factors involved here. One they're all absolutely battered. No, because people have always drank at the darts. And 20 years ago, it wasn't ever, anywhere near this level, was it? it it's been allowed. It, it's been an environment that has almost been encouraged. When you're constantly billing your sport as the Christmas party and refuse to do anything about it, and then you go abroad and you think, well, actually... I've got a few more headlines here because they've done that and they've made the game run a bit longer and the commentator's got something else to talk about and whatever. That's a bit different. Oh, yeah, I agree with you that it has been encouraged over the years. Um, and yeah. Especially this, when... This could have been stopped 20 years ago. This could have been stamped out. And... I take oh, lockdown was ago. the perfect time to stamp out. Post post lockdown was the perfect time to stamp out because you've got eighteen months, you get to completely go again. But all darts did was attract an even different crowd this time that were there for the occasion rather than the sport because they've been denied alcohol consumption on that level for eighteen months. Well, the other one, but when it was when the split was raw, shall we say, it was almost like John Lowe against Bobby George all over again. You had one organisation that wanted the Stone Cold Silence and the Best of Order, and you wanted one that wanted the Rasmataz, and that was how it how it grew and how it was built. The fact that we had Bob Anderson walking on with a horse back yeah. in the day because it was different and it it got people. You can have razzmatazz without being a cock. I'm not sure you can in the current world. <laughs> no, you can. You just can. Sing some songs, chant a bit, boo, whatever. Look, pantomime boos and players walk on. Fine, wall of noise. But it's them individual comments, the shouts and the whistles on players' throws that are an issue, that always have been an issue. And that players continue to maintain our issue. Because look, Joe Collins told you he loves going to Germany and then booing at him and then them sticking one up it. That's a wall of noise that doesn't affect his throw. All that does is get you a little bit mentally. You get a little bit psyched up. You start planning how you're going to react to them. That's on you for not being able to handle it. That's completely different. That's sport, that's entertainment. You get that home and away in pretty much any sport in the world, right? You're going to take home and away crowds. Yeah, it was nearly a, a much more severe C word, Aiden. But Aiden, I didn't check the time. It was nearly the other C word. Let's be honest. Um, but you, you can do all that, and you can experience all that. But that individual whistle, that the people that are, I, I'm going to deliberately affect this game by my individual nonsense, and 
or look at me, I'm on the telly, or did you hear me whistle at that point, or yes, I got my prep night. Bugger off. Right. We've got two Gezi clips now. We'll play them both. One's from his... Oh, yes. Now, it's around o'clock, then I talk about these. <laughs> One's from his Saturday night game. Um, we'll do that one first, because he talks about um, his focus and whatever. And then the interesting one from his winner's one. So we'll do the one from Saturday first. We'll play them back-to-back -back and then do a bit on them all. Uh, obviously, the majors come thick and fast then, so... Yeah, I think next year I'm gonna like sort of slow down a little bit on the on the property and put a little bit more in, into the darts. I'll still miss a couple, but I'll be more concentrated than what I have been over the last year. That's that. That's that. You touched on it there. Has your focus not been fully on being going price to professional darts player because of all your other business interests? Yeah, definitely this year, especially you know I've had a few projects on the go with a cafe and doing a bungalow for my dad and doing my own doing a property for myself. So. When I'm away, my mind's still at home, and it's hard work to try to concentrate. But yeah, sometimes it can cost you. And even though I'm trying to run a business back home, it can cost me money when I'm losing you. So yeah, I'm going to slow down a bit with that next year and put a bit more effort and a lot more concentration in, into the PDC. Clip one, followed by clip number two. Yeah, I mean it's always nice winning. It doesn't matter if it's World Series or major events. Fills you full of confidence, especially when the Grand Prix is coming up, and I know my doubles are where they should be. And yeah, if if I can start off like like I have in in previous years in the Grand Prix, then there's no reason why I can't go and uh, defend that. I think I've had a decent year considering that I haven't been at my best. And yeah, it's a lot of good things to come now. It's a big tournaments coming up towards the end of the year. And like I said, I've been rubbish most of this year, but I've still been doing alright. I reckon in three years' time, I'll pretty much be unbeatable. I mean, everybody else that's here now is all experienced. Michael Smith, Michael Van Gerwen, Johnny done a lot of uh, a lot of BDO and wheel stuff there. So I, I'm really new to this com compared to all those. So another three years where I can improve a lot more. And yeah, they, I'll be very tough to beat. The Iceman never disappoints, does he, in an interview, boys? There's always something to discuss, and I blooming love it. Um, we'll do the first one first. It's, it was actually refreshing to hear players talk honestly and say, look, I haven't given darts everything this year. I have had other business interests and commitments voicing. And, and that's actually quite refreshing that they put their hands up and said, yeah, that, that this is the case. Yeah, it's refreshing, and also it's not... From a sort of us looking in, it's not that we're now expecting Price to then go on and compete to everything. He did mention there that he's still going to miss a couple. It's the fact that he's been honest. I don't think he's been 100% when he's been in the main tournaments. Yes, you come into some of these and he's he's not fully at 100% and you're not down, down to be throughout the full year. But it's actually been at some of the, the big events where Price hasn't been 100% Price and going on to push on down and lift the title yeah he got to the final in match play but then that extra few percent how close he was to beating michael and the lead he had probably to the dome over the line um it just goes back to with his concentration being on this he's even right now in the top three in the world in regards to current form yes i know he's ran world number one but he's number three in the world if his focus turns more to pdc action that just means we need Michael to step it up a little bit more 
And then the question marks probably come on Peter in regards to how much more Peter can do. Because actually he's probably someone who's done a less events and someone who, who has done all of them over the past few years. But actually we're going to see less from him. So it's a worrying sign for the rest of the field. I also think there's a little bit of a did in there at Johnny Clayton. Talks about the experience of all players on the PDC stage. Johnny Clayton's won an awful lot over the past two years, and the only thing he mentions about you is his BDO days. <laughs> I think there's a little dig in there with Johnny. Um, obviously, all the humour between the two. Man, God, the interesting one is if he's not developed yet, can he play on the Dev Tour? One minute past. Don't make me say it. We will get demonetized. It's interesting that he talks about that, but. And he is right, but he is still inexperienced at this level compared to everyone else. Three years' time, untouchable. At this level, look. But how much does the level below really count for a lot? Because we've seen Peter Wright come into his element later in his years. We've seen Glenn Durrant have a peak this late in his career where he had 10 years off previously before he went on that surge on the PDC. Then you've got youth players. Um, who was it? Was it Bialecki that only picked up darts at 15? No, so, um, was it Gaulas? Gaulas. Gaulas picked up darts three years ago and did a World Youth Final. I don't know, big difference between Adam Gaulas and... and go in price, but I'm not sure all experience is all it's cracked up to be. Well, my, my interesting one with Gezi is how long is he going to be around for? As in, he's openly said he doesn't plan to do this long term. It is get in, make as much money as he can, set himself up and get out. So over the next three years, if he can add another world title, five or six different TV titles, He's almost there. He's almost set. Because with yeah, it's but, not uh, just the prize money, it's everything that comes with it. Your sponsorship's on top for being a double world champion or if he wins the Premier League, the match play does the triple crown gob. It's another thing to his bow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, so over, I think I'm over those three years, he could set himself. Over those three years, he could set himself. He could, but when he's talking about being unbeatable, you've mentioned there, within the next three years, do we expect probably Price to pick up one more world title, five or six TV titles, yeah. Someone being unbeatable, I want to see him going back-to-back. And, you know, we're talking about him like we are the same as many of the other world champions who have done back-to-back. In reading off a run that we saw from MVG five or six years ago, ones we saw from Taylor, obviously, back in the day. For me, when he's talking about being unbeatable... That's probably not achievable in the current game in regards to over a few months because of all the events you have in Pro Tours. But for him to go on and pick up three, four of the big ones consistently across a number of years, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to do. I think he can obviously pick up another World Championship and he's one of the favourites to do so this year and five or six more TV titles. But the word unbeatable is a bit different than just winning a world championship and five or six TV titles. 
they've gone on to win an awful lot more than that over three years. Uh, evening, Rob. Hope you are good, mate. Um, stack attack in the chat room. Yeah, look, it, it, it's interesting that the, that Gezi is still relatively young, and he breaks the mold, Gob, as well. He doesn't look like your traditional dark player. He really could be the poster boy for the next five or six years in changing the look of the sport as well. Yeah. In terms of relatively young, though, James Wade threatened to retire three months ago and they're the same age. Yeah, but James has been playing for three decades. Let's put that bit into context. <laughs> but yeah, look, 100%. There is absolutely no secret that the image and your standard dark player is beginning to change. Peter Wright's lost a bit yeah, of weight. Oh. James Wade looks like he's lost a bit of weight as well. Van Gogh wasn't your traditional round-bellied man. You've got Cullen, Price, um, Luke Humphreys looks fantastic, Dimitri Vandenberg, Dirk Van Dijvenberg, all these guys on the up, Rob Cross, year on tour, decided he had to get back in shape. These are athletes now. They're not... Look, 20, 30 years ago, darts, pub sport, rocker, you just get pissed, right? These are athletes now. Yeah, completely. And... Uh, look, they all... Look, I know it's a very taboo subject, but I'm going to... be a sumo the majority of dark no, players are not... fit to be and that involves no, a not... lot of travelling, lots of playing, and for most, it involves a very, very capable liver. No, I know it's a very taboo subject, and but you should come out and say it. The ones that overconsume in the next five to six years will get found out even more because of the way it is changing. Yes, it will. Yeah, yes, but... it will always be there. It will, look, it, it will always be there, I get that, but the levels of consumption is going down at the top end. And the ones yeah, that, that that's over that's just my point on the the athletes, as, as Dobbs alluding to, that there's still question marks around some, and I think we will see it drop, and it is dropping. I would like to see it more. Oh, 100%. Um, it's just what impact that has on the standard of the day yeah, in the short we, term. We long, long term, I don't think it would, but short term, I think we may see uh, if that would, if something uh, like that uh, was to come in. I don't, if, it, if it were to come in, I think short term, it would drop between three and six months whilst, whilst players adapted. But long term, I think it would help and it would raise the standard because... You look at something like the UK Open or even this one this weekend. If you're in the practice room at 10 in the morning to start at 1 and you're still going at the final at 10 at night, that is almost impossible to control if you are certain players. Yeah, I think we see that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. When you see the drop-off from someone averaging 104 to 88 in the space of a few hours, there's probably a reason. 
Moving on to the Challenge Tour weekend. Um, before we do that, everyone in the chat room have been absolutely on fire today. Appreciate your support. Remember, make sure you drop us a like um, and subscribe to the channel. Um, first of all, looking at the Challenge Tour Order of Merit, we've got some funky new colours on Darts Rankings. We've got a pink and a pinky yellow. Forget your greens. Not what they describe this 1960s colorway, but yeah, carry on. Um, so first up, I know he's in the chat room, but Stack Attack Robert Owen takes the first challenge tour of the weekend, defeating Christian Kist in the final. Um, and before we touch on the winner. I've got to say, the quarterfinals has a very super series feel to it, doesn't it? Did I say that out loud? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm sat in a certain press room when I'm hearing stuff like that. There's still be someone else in me here saying something else about the super series. <laughs> is, is, is that day I wasn't there by any chance? Yeah, it might be. <laughs> um, but look, Stack Attack defeats Christian Kist in the final 94 and a half average average nearly 96 to beat Robert Thornton in the semis 97 to beat Matty Dennett in the quarters a very consistent Robert Owen boys in Challenge Tour 16 Solid what is it that he keeps being referred to as the hybrid modern darts player not quite a full-time PDC pro, but here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Now he's in the chat room. Rob, you can take the fifth on this if you live, if you wish. If you win your card, and you're not playing as much because you can only play in pro tours and that, are you at a disadvantage because your form is? Superb at the moment because you can play in so much. Where John O'Shea talked about it last week because he hasn't qualified for the Euro Tours. What was it? 70, 78 days without playing? 75, yeah. 75. Yeah. It's, a, it, it, it's a long, long time without competitive darts for tour card holders. Um, but also, plus points for here. I know he, he goes on spoiler that he wins one later on as well, but good to see Christian Kist back playing well. The lipstick. What a terrible nickname. Oh, horrific. That era was dreadful for that <laughs> nickname. Him and the coat. Yeah, shocking. Becker. Terrible. Yeah. Happy days, Rob. Happy days. Um, good to see Fabian Schmutzler playing again as well. Someone that had a lot of bidding this time last year, massively broke onto the scene, got to the Worlds, found it tough going this year, but get to the last 16 of a Challenge Tour, and the fact he's travelled as well is a very good sign. Yeah, very yeah. good time for someone, as you've said, just 
just broke on to the scene. Didn't know a huge amount about him until he won was it two events, one back to back or finals Dev, in the Dev Tour. Turned 16 and then went and blitzed the Dev Tour in a weekend and qualified for the Worlds. Yeah, that's why we didn't know an awful lot about him because he wasn't old enough. He wasn't eligible. The, the kid's still 17. <laughs> yeah. Um, we expected him to go but, to the World Championship and be making the quarterfinals because he'd had a good run on the European Dev Tour. I was like, Jesus, when we think back at it, that's a lot of pressure on a, on a young lad's shoulder that. Unlike the rest of the he field. performed well enough. That's why we did, Dob. Oh, yeah. His performance in yeah. winning them dev tools was unreal. They were unbelievable. But it's not as if he can rely on certain substances up on stage, is it? <laughs> yeah. True. Very true. Well, Good saying that, though. Then moving on to CT17 was a Dutch winner, Wesley Placia. Defeated Robert Thornton again. Look, Robert Thornton was was close, but without without winning one. Um, but we've seen uh, Wesley do do good bits on the Euro Tour this year, boys. He, he he can play, and he's he's backed it up with a title here. Yeah, we've seen him. You know, he's we've been the top sixteen of the rankings. He's generally had a few good runs, and he backed it up with a win over the Fornu. Was arguably. Arguably the best player on Friday, but wasn't able to pick up a title down to a semi-final and a final. But don't let his hands on just one of those. Losing to did he lose to Robo winning that? Yeah, losing to both eventual winners. Um and generally played well across there, the form which is worrying signs for everyone else in the super series, in the seniors, in anything else that the form plays in at the moment that he's challenged or um, but yeah, Wesley, that over the line and Thornton just, just dropped off in that final um, from the levels he'd performed throughout the day and was probably just one down too far for him. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to have to whip through this because it's a busy, busy time. Uh, Challenge Tour 18, it was an all Dutch final in this one, Gob. Dutch delight. Yeah. Van der Velde is a name that keeps popping up on a development tour as well. Another exciting young Dutch prospect. It's all about how they take that next step because we've seen so many of these guys now in the last couple of years come around, be there or thereabouts. I think the biggest warning perhaps is JDZ, Jeffrey Desvan, who, who yeah. did make that next step onto the Pro Tour, etc., and then and really struggled with it. But at various levels, we've sort of seen everybody else do the same and it's about how they can commit and, and move forward but like he, he looks a great talent good win um comfortable win over alan tabern in the quarterfinals who looked like he had a great weekend as well by the way um dave pallet in the top 16 as well that takes some doing the way dave pallet played in portsmouth the other week yeah and like we say it's also no coincidence that graham usher gets to a semi-final as well a man that I didn't know a lot about it until we saw him at the, the live league and then in the, the, the Super Series, but you can't help but be impressed with, with the gambler. Great attitude, great guy, and I hope he goes on and does really well. Just such an easy throw as well, isn't it? There's, there's no effort to it. No. Um, moving on, Challenge Tour 19. It was a busy, busy time. Um but again, Christian Kiss defeats Danny Lauby 
in the final. The lipstick backs it up. Good to see Danny Lalby making the trip as well and, and, and getting to a final. Said the check in and around it as well. Kaifan Young. Um, but importantly for me, two Frenchmen in the quarterfinals. Obviously strengthening that call to give them a World Cup place. Yeah, it strengthens it in the fact that we know that the PDC don't have a role where it, there has to be a tour card holder in there, as we've seen with some pits that they, they had this year. And then what Thibaut done at the uh, late side in April and what we've seen him do before, there was a lot of talk about the, um, the French having a team. And it was just having someone there to sort of be with him and back him up in that argument. And to have two players in a challenge draw quarterfinal is certainly stepped in the right direction for the French team. Hopefully, we'll see a few more players from Montes. Generally, the weekend in the, the last eight was very Dutch heavy. It'd be nice to see um, a few a few more Frenchmen in there. And I don't know anyone who's against us having a French team in the the World Cup. Only if a rule was brought in that one has to be a tortard holder. But if you're picking 32 countries or 24, whatever number is, 32, isn't it? Um, the French have to be in there. Oh, completely. Absolutely. Um, and then, Challenge Tour 20. It wouldn't have been a Challenge Tour weekend if the Maverick himself didn't pick up one. Uh, Scott Williams beats Thibaut Dracol in the final. And that pretty much cements Scott Williams' place at the top of the Challenge Tour order of merit. There is a an asterisk because of, of other things, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but God, it wouldn't have been a weekend without Williams picking up a title. Not the way, not the year that he's had so far. He's looked absolutely superb. I mean, there's still potentially eight grand for one person with four events to go, but the way that they're taught, the titles have been spread around so far, how difficult and how long these weekends are it's been incredibly difficult for anybody to be dominant over an entire day or, or, or two days or whatever so yeah look, it's a solid job done for scott williams so far. i can't quite relax just yet although he is potentially looking at gaining his card other routes um as is said the check i think in that or qualifying for the world one or two i'm still not sure about them colors um yeah look, Scott Williams probably is, is the standout deserve of a tour card next year from a player that doesn't have one right now but is committed to the PDC. He's been here, there and everywhere and he's performed to a very, very good level. He beat the world champion on the pro tour the other week, for Christ's sake. There's not many that just rock up and do that. Um, but yeah, look, look, a few others to, to talk about at that point. Dan Reed going deep, looking like his B game is just getting that little bit more solid through the Super Series now. Still need to see his A game out a little bit more. Um, Trico yeah. in a final good to see him there and the fact he's gone deep twice in two events is really really good but the exciting thing for me is is the level of performance from Labra the day before yeah is his A game seemed to find another level and, and that's really encouraging because we all know what Timo Trico is capable of at, at both ends of the spectrum his, his A game is very very good he's French number one and, and carries an awful lot but he's also got an absolute stinker in him, and, and that's probably why he still finds himself on the challenge tour. Didn't quite go all the way at, at Lakeside or whatever. It, he's got that little bit of a of a down part of his game there still. But Labra is, is a name that we literally 
I've seen pop up for the last couple of months, and his A game is getting better and better and better. More of those 95-plus averages, that consistent level. To do that twice in, in three rounds is, is very, very good. So, yeah, like, jumping on that French bandwagon as well. If they're not in the World Cup next year, somebody wants to shoot because they are stupid. So, top of the challenge for order of merit, as we said, uh, Scott Williams is in a league of his own right now. Robert Owen, second. Danny Mantripe, third. Stephen Burton, fourth. And you'd expect those four to play in pretty much all of the pro tours as well between now and the end of the year because I can't see them being full for different reasons. So those four look set to continue on the pro tour as well. So that was the challenge tour, right? Here we go. Here's the interesting one of the night. The WDF actually put some information in very inverted brackets. At, um, the timing of this announcement for me is very, very interesting. Um, right, my thoughts. First of all, one on the timing, it seemed for me that this is very rushed because, let's be fair, last week the WDF took a battering on social media from players and managers about the lack of information to the players. We, we saw Lorraine Wynne-Stanley um, have a pop, uh, Jim McEwen, very vocal, um, Will Adamson, one of the managers of the players that are involved in this as well, very vocal. Um, so I think this has been done on a bit of a hop because of the battering they took. And the interesting bit for me, the timing of it, Gob, literally went out as the World Series was starting on Friday as if to, we'll put it out and we'll try and bury it. Yeah, someone's got that scheduling a little bit wrong, in my opinion bad timing just as that's going live it's busy traffic wise so i understand why you're trying to hit that 6 p.m slot on social media it's that post work rush that you're trying to catch you go six you go at eight you're in social media you know those sounds pretty much um i understand why they've gone that time but to, to, to go and chuck it out while a pdc tv event on yes you've got a few people more people looking at socials perhaps but it just felt a little bit weird because there's a tension elsewhere in that people are talking about results and whatever. They might throw away a comment on that, but nowhere near as much to the level as you want eyes on an announcement like that. Or I say announcement, I, I should put some quotation marks. There wasn't a lot we didn't already know. Yeah, well, Boise, I'm going to let you come in here as well because you've covered the WDF a lot for us this year. And I think your tweet was shocking announcement. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pre-Friday, on the website, it's already adding the WDF on their website. At WDF World Masters, it had the eighth to the eighth to the eleventh, I believe. That's now changed to the twelfth. It didn't mention the World Open. It didn't mention the World Championship qualifiers or the World um, Paradise. However. I'm not sure what else from this statement that we've actually we've actually gained. We don't know format, don't know prize money. Yes, there's a group stage. We know a list of qualifiers, but I'm not sure 
how they've got to all those list, list of qualifiers. There's no TV announcement. Um, all of this is for a tournament that's one for a lot of the qualifiers. It, they need to fly there. It's two weeks before Christmas. It's less than three months away. There's the list sort of those on. There's a world championship qualifier, but we're not sure when the world championship is, so people don't know when they're qualifying for. If there's that conversation around people going for a tour card, we'll qualify for the world championship and spending another day in Holland, but actually, do they even want to qualify just to one of them push on for it? Tour card, the, the list of questions go on, which is for me why I ended my tweet with a shocking announcement because there shouldn't be more questions on the back of these sort of announcements. There can be debates about why they've made certain decisions, i.e. to change the format. But to run this tournament over as many days of what they have done as well, the cost of this, of the timing of the year of year it is, I just find it very, very, very strange, uh, very rushed and very concerned about the WDF. When for me, there's an opportunity here that the ADC made announcement, what was it last, about two weeks ago, that they wasn't running their yeah. Open and that Open was the week, planned to be the week before this. So there's an opportunity yeah. there for the, the amateur game to really push the World Masters and their, all the qualification around that. But just over two months away from it, we've only just found out who's qualified or how you qualify for it. But players have been playing in tournaments all year round. It's just mental. I, I can carry on ranting for probably another half hour on this matter because I just find it very strange, especially the position of where the, the WDF is right now and the fact that they only have, in theory, two TV events. We're not actually sure if this is now a TV event as they haven't mentioned it, but they only really have two TV events that we know of in the Masters and the Worlds, and we don't even know if it's going to be aired, which... It's probably a perfect opportunity for a WDF event because it finishes two days before the World Championships. So people are then excited about watching the PDC World Championships and we moan sometimes about when light side's been. But it's a prime opportunity for darts fans to sort of build that excitement up for the biggest event of the year. You've got a bit of darts on your TV screen. Well, you hope you have, but we have no idea. Just so much wrong with it. And I, I do think we'll have a drop in players because of that. Well, again, the, the interesting bit for me is, one, obviously there was a lot of people, once this was announced, went and priced it up, Gob, as well. And look, we are in the middle of a cost of living crisis. Let, let's let's have that correct, not just in the UK, but across Europe as well. And for the amateur player, just on travel and accommodation, this isn't living whilst you're over there, you're looking at around £1,600 just to just to get there and have a roof over your head. In a cost of living crisis just before Christmas, is that viable? Potentially not, but at the same time, we constantly ask other nations to make that journey to the UK that's always sort of been the home of darts as well. So somebody somewhere has to pay that cost because darts, is an, this is an international event. Um, yeah, but so even the, I, even the, I get why but the hotel UK costs players... At two months' notice, that's a big cost. With a year's notice, not a big 
Yeah, no, I agree. That, that's a fair point. Not not a big cost, but you can save for it. You can make allowances for it. You can make plans for it. Yeah. You can build up prize money for it and whatever else. There, there's ways to accumulate funds for it and whatever else. So uh, more notice, it, it's more. certainly more manageable, especially in a, a cost of living crisis and whatever. For me, this announcement is all about what it doesn't say. The absence of a decision, not even a decision. This is the oldest major in the world with one of the most with one of the most recognizable formats in the world the website we're being told by some potentially has a different placeholder on the minute as a standard template for their, for their website to go back to leg play we've heard conversations from a couple of people that they've also been told the format is changing well, i'm not going to throw any of them under the bus or anything but they've been told that as well if you know in, in the oldest tournament, surely just go and to confirm the format will be the same as it's always ever been. We got a nod to how big groups would be, but no, they'll be playing over this format or anything like that. And it just screams that a big change is about to be made. I, when the WF returned to Lakeside for a World Championship earlier this year, I was a very, very big advocate of it. Anyone that sat and watched the show will, will know that. For me, they had to exist. They had to succeed. And getting off the ground for them was more important than anything else. But because of the reputation of the BDO, and because, for me, this organisation hasn't moved far enough away from that, it, it's just a redressing of name, etc. They could have gone out and made massive changes and whatever. Haven't really decided to do that because you're always going to get reluctance to change and that will cause bad press. I just think they're obsessed with no bad press right now. And any sort of negative feedback they might get, any sort of negative connotation, anything that might get thrown around a little bit coming directly from them is more of a concern than people gossiping and going, well, where is the information? Yeah, completely. Like we say, the players still don't know how much money they're playing for. They Players have spent a lot of money and put thousands of pounds into qualifying for these events, and they don't know what they're playing for in return two months it's it's ridiculous um yeah. and like you say costs are very expensive and as a new organization that perhaps didn't make the money needed to at, at lakeside or whatever else costs are going to be tight but when you're launching like this in what is now becoming a very very saturated market for tournament organizers and whatever else and you've had such a bad history the first thing an organization like this should have gone and done is hire a PR agent. Somebody that knows what they're doing to just make you look good and, and manage these internal conversations and, and difficulties in what you do announce, what you don't announce, how you keep people on site. Because that's exactly what the BDO didn't do. And they don't have a media team that can match the depths of the PDC or whatever other sports you've got in the world, the FA or football clubs or, or anything like that. How I've seen a, a National League football team have four people employed in their social media team. That's the fifth tier of English football. This is the, this is the worldwide governing body recognised by the IOC. Go and hire people that know what they're doing, get you off the ground and recuperate them costs at a later date. Yeah, look, it's just, I just don't, I just don't get it at the moment. I, I really don't. And 
obviously there was a lot of talk earlier in the week around the whole the two I put televised in brackets um, tournaments that again we still don't know. And there was a question I think from Robbo in the chat room. We don't know if this will be televised. Um, there was nothing in the announcement to to say to, to say it was or or isn't. So look, we we don't know. And if it's not, what a hammer blow that is as well. But in effect, it's just one TV tournament a year for the WDF. Yeah, so yeah, you, you know when and where. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I was just, yeah, I was just saying it's a huge hammer blowing. Back to the point of with it not being on TV, you'd then expect to drop in the prize fund potentially, and then with a drop in the prize fund, there is a a number of players, and yet it's a big field, or they're hoping for a big field, but the top echelon of the WDF, if you're looking at the rankings. A lot of those players would probably be better off that week going to play in the Super Series than they would going to play in the World Masters. If you take away the iconicness of the World Masters, because we had uh, John on last week who was talking about the World Masters and what we should be playing for and all that sort of thing. But for a tournament and being your second biggest of the year, there's got to be a dud monetary value in there as well to win as well as lifting that title and that is across the board and I worry about that on the basis that that's not been announced because that players need to know that before the travel I think we'll see a lot of players not travel if that announcement is kept till last minute because some players either can't afford to risk it or won't want to take that risk because of the amount of money. But did you mention now 1,600 give or take for your expenses? Yeah, that's, for flight, flight accommodation. that's not that's not living whilst you're there. Eat food, drink. So yeah, so let's let's say between one and a half and two thousand, when you look at the players who are already over there who live in Holland who don't have to pay for flights, when you then add your food, drink, everything else probably as part of that, without knowing what you can potentially win. There's, I'd like to say that's the biggest oh. disappointment, but there's there's a list of things in the announcement that are up there, so it's hard to sort of pick one out. But I do worry, and one of which for me is the TV. The fact we don't know if it's on TV. A lot of players have done just events throughout the year to make sure they're qualifying to be on TV. For players, it's about the sponsorship. You know, they would be expecting the World Masters to be on TV if, you then sold the sponsorship and you're not going to be on it. It's then disappointment to cross the board. And as you mentioned, one of the managers has already complained on social media and I'm sure he won't be the only one if we don't see more of an announcement. Well, I thought it was interesting that um, Lorraine's interview on the Inside the WDF podcast, the fact that she came out and said, I have emailed them multiple times and I've had nothing. The fact that if you just put it on social media asking, a bit different, but the fact you've actually emailed the association to ask and had nothing. We saw at the weekend with the PDC, with the posters everywhere for next year's tickets for the World Series finals going back to Amsterdam. So already people can register their pre-interest for next year's tickets. It's a year away. 
Well, as of next we week, you can get world's tickets, master's tickets, probably both Minehead because they're sold through Minehead and the world's Premier tickets. League. And Premier League. So they yeah. think it is, and it's Blackboard, they tend to go on sale at Christmas because if you have both of them clashing with each other, then you can pick it up. You wait for the next big one. Yeah. And look, there, there was a lot banded around in forums of the World Championship date. We won't go into that because we don't know. But even if it's in January or that alleged slot that everyone was saying, it leaves you no time to sell tickets. Everybody loses. Well, everyone and mainly the players. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really shit situation for the players right now. And it, and it leads back to what we've said for the past probably the month where we've been debating the amateur day over the past few Mondays is it's all down to one word and it's just communication where we've now got a communication from the WDF but doesn't give us any information that from a media perspective we would like to know but from a player's perspective they have to know it's their careers it's their livelihoods and they don't know that information that's the most shocking part is the communication is so bad well the, the, the thing is right if you're one of the top players in the wdf right now you are planning your next three to four months of your darting career and Certain players will have a decision to make, regardless of when the tournament lands, around Q School. Because yeah. there's a very good chance it will it will either clash or be after Q School. Look, just looking at the dates, um, it will either be it will either clash with Q School or be after. It can't be before. Looking at the dates available, so as a player, you have to plan and make your decisions, what's best for your career. And let's be fair, the PDC will probably open the Q school registration in the next few weeks. It's normally around this sort of time that it, that it opens. It's expensive, isn't it? It's expensive. It's got to be open soon. Yeah. And if you're a player, if Q school opens and you've got no dates for the other one, what are you going to do? It's serious about and you can go peaceful, don't you? So, exactly that. Um, I guess it's so another one we have to, really to play out in the next couple of weeks, so yeah, oh, massively. Um, so that was that one, right? There was also something groundbreaking at the weekend, boys, something a little bit positive. Um, we've not seen it before, we may not see it again. But at the Super Series, the first ever televised three-player nine-dart shootout on TV. I was beginning to think it wouldn't happen because basically you just need to get everybody beating everybody by the same scoreline, don't you? You just need a 4-2 yeah. win, 4-2 win, and a 4-2 win. But yeah. Well, again, going into the last game, Ryan Finesse had to win three um, 4-3 to force the nine-dart shootout. And guess what Ryan Finesse did? Um, and as a little treat, 
we are going to show you the entirety of the Super Series 9-Dart Shootout, and we'll discuss afterwards. Lee Shewan will throw first. He'll have three darts. Then it will be Andy. Then it will be Ryan. Ryan won the bull off in the practice room. He chose to throw last. Andy then chose to throw second. Lee Shewan had no option but to throw first. And Lee starts strongly, but not as strong as Andy. 140. Terrific start. Finesse under the pump from the very off. Remember, it is the two players with the highest scores from the nine darts that progress. So the lowest score will be eliminated. And the highest will win the group. Finesse behind after the first visit. Shewan's in good shape. Two tons is very good in this spot. It is conceivable that Ryan Finesse may be too far behind when it comes to his third visit. His second visit is going to have to be really interesting. At an absolute minimum now, Finesse needs a 140. The only person who has been in a 9 dot shooter before is Andy Hamilton. He's won one and lost one. And he takes the lead. He's now the favourite, and that's a single one from Shewan. But that's a big triple 20. There's a slip with the last start. And so Andy Hamilton now only needs 46 points to progress. Shewan can do nothing. Forty-six points to give him a one-point buffer. Hamilton has made it. Finesse is also there. Lee Shewan is out. And Ryan Finesse wins the group in the nine dart shootout. That was thrilling. Wow, Henry, what do you make of that? I loved watching that back. Oh, no, yeah, I've right. seen him more than once. I, I, I want it to slam every single year. It's just that little bit more drama, isn't it? Yeah. Um, again, the Ryan Finesse fan club were in as well. But that 180, because at that point, he was miles behind. Big trouble. Big trouble. Yeah. Um, Tiz says, what a great moment. Johnny says, sorry, but shoot, that's a ridiculous way to do it. Johnny, there's only two ways to do it. You either do it on their averages or you do a shootout. And the shootout for me is the much better option. But when they're all level, that's yeah, the only way you can, you, you, you can do it is a shootout or you do it on their averages. And this creates drama. Um, I think the, the players enjoyed it more as well. Even Lee said it was a better way to do it and he, he lost out because fate is in your own hands. You have nine darts to get yourself through. As a player, I think that's the better way of doing it because... You're you're in control of your own destiny. Yeah. Yeah, I think my players would agree with it as well. <laughs> um, uh, no, Charlie, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Whilst we're on the the, the 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 super series, there was a lot made of the the Danny Lowby phantom dart, phantom throw, um, whatever you want to call it. Look, watching it back, 
Um, it, it was Danny Lowby dropped it and then retrieved his darts. He's he, he's he's gone and done it. He's retrieved it. There's not much more that Paul Hinks can do, in my opinion, boys. Although I I agree with everyone, he he hasn't thrown it. Danny is the one that has picked it up and retrieved his darts. Yeah, yep. I think that's the case. Of Danny being in a situation where he's concerned that he may or he may have thrown it or be classed as a throw, I'm worried about the repercussions. Bless him. He's definitely not throwing a dart. It's definitely a drop. All the ruling and, and the guidelines and, and 5.22, I think, was the ruling that Chris Murphy quoted directly. It's an overarm deliberate action. That was neither yeah. of them. But Danny's retrieved the darts from the board. And once he's done that, the visit's over. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, but drama at the Super Series at the weekend, it was absolutely mint. Uh, right, a week in darts, boys, before we open question time. What have we missed? Because we, we, we always miss something, let's be fair. The it entire was, um, British yeah. Good point. I didn't see any of it. I'm not going to lie because I was in Amsterdam. Me neither. I, I don't know much about the trialists. I think both the men's got in, so James Richardson and James Hull. James Richardson had a fantastic weekend, let's be honest. Uh, England men's international trial, he got beat in the final, but I think that still gets him into the team. Um, Joanne Locke won the ladies against the Raymond Stanley. In the men's pairs, James and Josh Richardson won the final 3-0 against Ryan DeVreda and Van Leeuwen. Uh, in the ladies' pairs, good luck stopping these two. It was Bo Greaves and Dieter Hedman winning. Uh, British Classic men's result, James Richardson again the winner. 6-4 over Gary Stone, solid win for him. Uh, British ladies classic. Well, Bob, Bob on, that, on that one, you said about his weekend, that was from behind as well. I believe it was 3 1 down, maybe even 4 1 down. And then Starry Stone, James Richardson, and Painbot and reeled off. The, and the reaction at the end, if you've yet to see, is a big reaction that sums up a huge weekend for Richardson. Is that when he was directing Bindaloo traffic on the stage? Just a little, yeah. That was the one. <laughs> Um, open Reese Colley the winner against Chris Lambman. Superb run for him, the youngster, another player of former Super Series uh, prowess. Uh, win for Lisa Ashton in the British Open ladies, and then the classic youth, uh, Thomas Banks beating Archie Self. Good runs for Henry Coates to the semi finals as well, who also at 16 17 years old made the quarterfinals of the British Open men's as well. He's only just old enough to be on the development tour. Made his debut at the last batch of events, and he's making the last eight of the British Open. So superb run from him. Uh, and Lionel lately uh, beating Ellen McCann's in the British Girls Constellation as well. So that's all the results from that one. In the classic ladies um, bowl one, Bob, I think you just missed it when he was running for a bowl beat Lisa in that one, in a reverse of what yeah, happened in the Open. And as part of as part of Lisa's open win, she averaged one hundred and five in the quarterfinals, um, which is fantastic on the long field. Yeah, and the round before that, I believe she beat Bow just shutting, yeah. She beat Bow four one. So Lisa got the better of Bow in one tournament and Bow got the better of Lisa in the other one. Um 
I suppose that look, great that they were all up playing up in Bridlington, but I'm guessing the slight damper or negative, which was again made a lot of on social, the lack of numbers compared to normal for what was a flagship event. Yeah, it it'd have been interesting to be up there as well on the Friday, Saturday, even more so with the announcement on the Thursday of the Masters just to see how the general feel was in the room and probably that last communication has had an impact on that, so probably no real surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Charlie there said it. Thomas Banks hit a nine data in the youth too. Um, again, didn't see it, but saw it on Twitter. Oh, we missed Lucas Manning's um, one in a challenge. I didn't even know he'd hit one, if I'm being honest. Uh, 18, I think, or 19 in the afternoon. Um, Lee says, any more clues about who the new commentator is later in the week? Uh, I know, but I'm not telling you. I'll give you the same clue that Murph Dave. He's better than me, Darts. Can you tell me who it is and I'll let you know if they're better than me at Darts? They're better than you at Darts as well, Doc. I doubt it. I'm the best. Oh, no, they are. If, it, if it's on, isn't it? Yeah, they are. They 100% no. are. Could they do it on a cold, wet Wednesday in the Vodka Wednesday League? Oh, 100%. Only no. you can do that. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, You've either yeah, got um, it or you went. Some people just can't handle the atmosphere. Anyway, to be fair, off that video, you can't talk about crowd barracking ever again either. They weren't there. There was no crowd to barrack. <laughs> that was half past six. They didn't arrive till quarter past eight. <laughs> we were just having a sing song. Um, um, so, question time it is then, boys. I think. Don't think we've missed yeah, anything um, else, have we? Only other thing was the announcement this afternoon. I want to say late evening was around the pre-qualified players for the World Youth Championships, which includes. Katie Sheldon and Chloe O'Brien within those, which yeah. for me is fantastic to see. Disappointing to see that um, Bolden nets her invite. However, from what we're seeing from Katie and Chloe uh, over the women's series, I know the pair of you have seen a lot more than me of the women's series, but on Blackpool as well, Tantor's a few upsets, but oh, very yeah, strong field already. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear Bo's reasons for not accepting the invite. I think it clashes with WF event in Ireland or Northern Ireland, is what I've seen so far. Look, to be fair, I know as we sit here, we want Bo to do absolutely everything and we want her to go and play and everything and compete and, and whatever else. I quite admire the fact that she is 18 and she is just playing in events that she wants and there is no pressure for her to go and do anything. We've been talking about her for the women's series for the last five years. No, I mean, we've been talking up both for a long, long time now, and now she's here. 
she's reigning world champion and she will not be rushed into doing anything or anything. No, 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 I, I get that. I, just oh. from a from a personal perspective, we just I think talking about how excited I am to see Katie and Chloe, it's just I would have been excited to see both competing against some of the tortard holders potentially who are in the field, some of the young up and coming players that we've seen on Challenge and Dev Tour. It's more of a disappointment from a, a personal point of view that I'd like to have seen how she how she competed in the, in that youth environment because at the moment we don't compare her as a as a youth really, let's be honest we compare her with Fallon and Lisa so it would have been nice to see her in that field and to see how she would have how she would have compared in there um that's more well, she's always guaranteed right? accept aren't you because of the way the groups work yeah because yeah. there's going to be a seat in there right? you talk card holders and get an invite no matter what so they're 13 of the 16 aren't they Um, uh, 14. 14 of the 16 tall tall holders, yeah. But good for Tate right. and Chloe. I think it would be great to see um, both of them in it. Yeah. Uh, right, so. Question time. And we'll go straight in with Andrew's one says, um, if uh, you were Ross Smith needing one game at the Grand or the Eurotour Grand Prix, who would you want to draw? You probably want one of the home nation qualifiers in the first round of the Eurotour. I don't mean that horribly, but they're not they're not a tour card holder, they're a they're a qualifier. You you you'd probably want one of one of them. But then flip the coin. If you're Roby John, you want him to draw someone good. <laughs> Much? Yeah, I'm just. What is it? I'm just. I'm just looking at the field, but yeah, generally one of your house nation qualifiers. Ping me the link. Say it again. Ping me the link. It's on its way to you now, but just at the. Qualifiers, um, associate member qualifiers, John Van Veen, and then we've got Yellow Klassen, Ice Ramp Belgiums, we've got Tim Hybrex and Mike Dedefter, and Dennis Nilsson is your Nordic and Baltic qualifier, and Carol Sedlacek is your East European qualifier. So you, even those, you, you're looking at that you're in a tough time now. In comparison to previous, to, to go into one of the yeah. German ones where you uh, France, Russia, or Lucas Vaining, or something. Perhaps you just listed tour card holders, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very, yeah, very difficult field. Look, if, if, if you're Ross Smith, for the ability you've got, you'd back yourself to beat anyone. Yeah. It's just the it's just the additional pressure that he's on that one day more than he's just going into a first round tie, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but having said that, one win may not be enough for him. I know he has to win that one to give him a chance, but one win may not be enough anyway. 
because oh oh yeah. Good. Say Vincent got to the final. Vincent, yeah. Um. Say King Barry won it. So although one win puts you in a fantastic position, it's not not guaranteed. Um, but yeah, that's that one again. Get your questions in, everyone. Uh, Beat says, do you think MVG will play at the European Tour this weekend? His last post on Twitter, Arthur Clare and Sands. Uh, no, I think he'll play. It was just a case of he knows what he needs to do to get ready for the Grand Prix. Um, that from where he lives to Belgium isn't very far. Um, he'll probably just drive. Or it's, 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 it's an easy drive for, for him. So I, I'd expect him to play. Um, but I, I think that he just knows what he needs to do to get ready for the World Grand Prix. Just doubles, probably. Yeah, they've, they've, they've been the Achilles heel. The two tournaments he's won, his he's doubling's been good. The ones that he's crashed in, his doubling's been awful. He sort of needs to be good at the doubles at the Grand Prix. Um, Adrian says, when do you, you think both... Dan, but Adrian says, do you think Bo will get the second spot for the Worlds of the Women's Series? Not for me. I think probably a weekend too late. I, I think she'll go close, but I just think she may have a little bit too much to do. But I think she'll give it a good go. Yeah, she needs another perfect weekend without... And she's got the addition of her, you know, a top one of the top women, if not the top woman, top returning. Tony needs Fallon to have a win, and I think that's enough, isn't it? Uh, Fallon needs 2,200, I think. She could have the final. Yeah. 1,250 would be enough, wouldn't it? Yeah. Potentially. No. Depend on... Yeah. She's got to get above 8 grand. Seven, she needs two, two, well, not, not above eight. If you won one, it'd be impossible for both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Adrian says, Do you think Bo will get the second spot for the Worlds of the Women's Series? Um, I don't think it would be an issue for him to get the second spot. Um, I think he'll get the second spot because he's got Fallon and he's got. Um, Robbo says, will either Gary Anderson or James Wade make the Grand Slam to maintain their 100% record? I'd be more confident about one qualifying than the other. Wade. Yeah. Be more confident about one of those turning up for the qualifier than the other. <laughs> Is the qualifier <laughs> the the record as well? Because that would mean he's got to stay for the whole thing. Knocked out early and can't get the car in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if I, I think Wade has more chance. Um, do you feel, this is from Craig, do you feel Price can win the rest of the tournaments this year the way he's playing, lads? Um, can he? Of course. Will he? A very, very tough ask because of the way the field 
and, and that is that he has the ability to win them, but that would be a very, very tough, tough thing to do. Do I think he'll yeah, win but... at least one or two? Possibly, yeah. The, the answer to me would be no, but that is because if you ask the same about Michael van Derwin, I expect Michael to pick up at least one between any end of the year. Can Michael though and win them all? Yeah, he can. The same is being said about Derwin and potentially even Peter Wright. Peter Wright will come up and win them all. Right, straight up in that contention. It's yeah, that's the what I'm saying. They didn't share them between the three of them. Yeah, I think if you was to say who's least likely to win them all, I would probably say Peter Wright, just because I think there's just that bit more consistency in Desi and MVG. However, do we expect them all to go and pick up one? There's a very good chance. But I put Peter so sure Third in that at the moment. I put Peter Third Peter in Peter Wright that lost twice since his return from Gorsons and won a Euro Tour, and the two matches he lost to a 107 average and a 104 average. Extending that out further than just pre-August, I still think yeah, MVG's but... I still think MVG and Price are in are more likely than Peter Wright. Um, like this one, Big, Big Joey says, did we ever see <laughs> Joey or Chandler using the old Blade 2 in their apartment? No, I haven't. I'm going to have to go have a look. I'm going to have to search and find a picture of this now. You won't They're see definitely any play. dark but they all exist in American TV shows for a very good reason. They did play dark in one scene. I don't watch them. No. But a lot of American yeah. TV shows have got them because they use them in sitcoms as a reference point for cameras, so they should always be in the same point of the screen, so they're not overshooting or undershooting the angle of the camera. Bears. As as a as a huge friends fan, I can probably find out that episode fairly quickly. So I will find out <laughs> what Dark World was being used. Um, <laughs> Tommy says, do you think Chizzy will ever win a TV title? I'd love him to, but personally I don't. I just think the highs are high, <laughs> but the dips are too low. I said last week I really liked where his game was, but this weekend is the worst way for it to happen as well because he was so comfortable. And yeah. wasn't outplayed at any point. He was... He, I don't want to say he beat himself, but he lost that game mentally. He didn't lose that game physically. And that's an issue. Yeah. Um, this is a good one. Um says, um, do you guys... Think looking overall at Fallon's World Series, it was a mistake putting her, hit, her in overall, um, not for marketing purposes, but the effect it had on her game. I don't think the effect we're perceiving it to have had on her game has been caused by playing darts. I, I think it was Christmas and before, and the media attention and. It is fantastic that Fallon was recognised and, and picked up the way she was because it did genuinely bring new supporters into the sport. People that have you talked arts had only heard of Bill Taylor and Michael Van Gerwen in the most recent years had suddenly heard of Fallon Sherrill, right? And you cannot deny, deny the asset that that was to the PDC and the game of darts, but 
when she wasn't achieving Q school and the like, the fact that all the attention was then still on her whilst not representing the rest of the sport became an issue for fans of the sport. Not for new audiences who are still interested in, in what Fallon Cherrick's doing and can she take the next step and what did she do previously and learning about the game. But for established darts fans, ones that have propped the sport for a long, long time on TV, at events, etc., um, that that became a big issue for a lot of darts fans. And there's still an awful lot of resentment towards Fallon for someone who did do something pretty special, something that we've never seen before in that capacity, twice in the same event. Hannah's backed it up a couple of times since on TV as well. And if you're in the same position, you take every single opportunity handed to you as well. And it's not as if she's been overly pushed from a management team or anything like that. She's just been allowed to go out and be herself. But the reporting from, in particular, Sky was was disgusting. And, and that's done a lot of damage to the career of Fallon in the last 18 months. Um, Charlie says, do you think the entries for Q School will be higher or lower than in recent years? For me, with all the uncertainty around, I think higher. Higher, but only just. I think there's a there's two ways to look at it. There's higher in regards to where the ADC and WDF announcements, tournaments are, but also the flip of that is the Super Series and people looking at that as a potential gain over a period of time. So I think it will go up. Because the pot in that top echelon who are playing the Super Series a lot compared to the people who go to a lot of WDF and ADC events. Um, but I don't think there'll be a huge increase. I think you will get an increase for a couple of reasons. One, the last couple have been under COVID conditions, or largely under COVID conditions, not necessarily this year. And two, I think you'll get a lot of players going without the intention of being tour pros. They will have seen the opportunities Scott Williams and, and Robert Owen have had this year. And if you're top 20 on that, doing well on the ADC and can play Super Series for a year as an almost um, apprenticeship before you step up to the PDC, I think that would suit a lot of players more. I think... Rob Owen, if he's still listening, will feel a lot better going onto the pro onto the PDC tour next year, having had this year underneath him, than having a really, really quiet year, played county a couple of times, maybe two or three WF events, twenty challenge tours if he's gone to all of them, and then rocks up skew score, wins a card and goes, Right, now I've got to do this week in, week out for to put food on the table for me and the family. Yeah, agreed. Right, last couple in an absolute banging show this evening. Somebody says, do you think Bo will get a World Series invite in the future? Um, in the next few years, no. Long term, if the women's game keeps growing the way it is, yes. Because I think the women's game will just get stronger. But in the short two to three years, I think she'd have to commit fully to the PDC tour. 
It's not just about that, it's the fact that when the invites have come for i.e. the youth and she's not competing that, I think that you'd need to be competing in those events before the PDC would then see a one to play at a, um, a World Series <laughs> event. But it, she's then got to that one and achieve things within the PDC before they would just put her on. They're not going to don't put her in a World Series event for them to win a, a title in a different organisation or titles in a different organisation. Yeah, right. Last one for us before we sign off for the night. It says, do you guys think the Premier League will be exactly the same format next year? Yes, because it's stupid. <laughs> That's the reason I brought that one in because I knew he'd do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I, I think there'll be slight tweaks to some of the bits around it, but I essentially think it will be the, the tournament again. I think there'll be slight tweaks within like the results and things like that. Less is but, more. Too many weeks. Rotate around. Watch demand go up when it returns to your city after a year break. Massive. Watch the players enjoy it more because it's not 17 weeks. Watch the ratings go up because people aren't bored of it after seven weeks. Less is but more. Then, but then how did you prop the Pro Tour up? Build a venue. <laughs> Why the PDC don't have their own purpose-built venue with a hotel on the side, food facilities, and an exhibition centre that can be used as a mini-major, which, by the way, I'm not getting into the debate of what a major is after the conversation around TV titles and James Wade and Gerwin Price on social media earlier this week. The, the individual World Series events are definitely not. That's about as far as it goes. Um, just build yourself a venue. Chuck a few million at it. Matchroom HQ, put some snooker events in there, do a little bit of boxing like the York Hall, nice little intricate venue. Sam, lovely. But any of the fans in your office at the top. There we have it, everyone. That has been the live lounge for this week. Thank you all very, very much for joining us. Fingers crossed, by the time we have the live lounge next week, we will have the World Grand Prix draw. Fingers crossed. They should know that. Well, they know who's there. So hopefully we get that on Monday. Boise looks worried. You're just more optimistic than me. <laughs> um, fingers crossed. We can only you know, hope. Uh, everyone. Yeah. Uh, chat room, thank you very much for your support. As always, we massively appreciate it. It's been superb. I've been Phil Bars, joined by Jack Garwood and Lee Boyce. We've been the Online Darts Live Lounge. The live, sorry, the Super Series returns tomorrow morning, 9.30. Plenty of content coming your way for us. But it's us signing out for this week, and we will return next week. We'll see you all very, very soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 